Hello everyone, this is Kim Langley, your host of Let Fear Bounce. Welcome to another episode. I want to thank my sponsor for today's episode, Sandy Johnston of Abundant Life Coaching, Consulting, and Healing. She is also the host of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast. You're going to want to check that one out, folks. Sandy is dedicated to creating a safe space for survivors of abuse to heal, recover, and rebuild their lives. So get in touch with her by visiting Sandy j.com.au to get the support and help that you need to rise up in your life and to shine your brightest. Now grab that cup of coffee, folks, sit back and relax and listen in as I chat with my friend Lois Wagner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host. I am so happy that you're joining us today as I welcome in my special guest, Lois Wagner. She is your friend for forgiveness, helping you to move from victim to survivor to thriver and beyond to freedom after facing a life or business challenges or adversities. Lois guides you to build resilience and grit, develop a growth mindset, energize your mojo, and learn to forgive. She's an accomplished speaker, storyteller, mentor, inspirer, learning facilitator, and empowering coach through her program using the acronym SMILE. And we're also going to be talking about an acronym BRAVE today. From fear to forgiveness to freedom. Welcome, welcome, Lois Wagner. So happy to have you with me today on Let Fear Bounce. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here, and I bounce fear. <laughs> isn't that great? It's a great feeling, isn't it? It is. It's fabulous. <laughs> I want to ask you about, and I absolutely love the acronym BRAVE, just because to me that brings to mind so many different things for so many different people. So the acronym BRAVE, how did you come up with that, and what does it mean to you? I... <laughs> I'm a, I was attacked, raped and left for dead. And the work I've been doing of late has been helping people recover from that kind of trauma and any kind of trauma for that matter, but predominantly people who've suffered some kind of sexual or gender-based violence. I just suddenly thought, why are we having to help people heal? We need to stop it happening in the first place. <laughs> so that was my intention, or that is my intention, to do whatever I can to make changes to everybody out there, to make them brave so that we can stop gender-based violence. So that was why I'm doing it. And what does it mean? Oh, okay. It started off with certain letters, but I've actually <laughs> expanded it as I'm going along. So brave. To be brave, you need to have boundaries. You need to know what your boundaries are, and, and everyone else needs to know what their boundaries are, and you need to know your partner's and your community's boundaries. So that's everything from from, you know, I don't want you to touch me, I don't want you to phone me after 10.30, uh, whatever your boundaries are. But a lot of us don't know what our boundaries are until we actually faced with a situation. And then it's usually too late. So we need to do some self-awareness. It's so important that we know who we are and what's important to us. So start with boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
So how, how are you sharing this, this uh, brave movement, I should say? Um, and I know that in speaking to you before on, for a different platform, your own personal story, well, it's frightening, actually, um, that something that you went through that was uh, incredibly traumatizing and life-altering. In your bio, you talk about forgiveness. And I know that you mentioned um, that you had to find forgiveness within you for your attacker. Do you want to share any of that with us today? Yes, absolutely. I can share that. Uh, I don't know if you want to finish brave first and then get to forgiveness. Or... That's just the boundaries that made me, that's what made me pop into that. Yes, let's, of course. Thank you for keeping no, no, me on track. <laughs> no, no, I'm quite happy because uh, it, it all works together. It's all part of the same package, if you like. Mm -hmm. That for, forgiveness is definitely part of being brave. Uh, you know, people said I'm so incredibly brave because I forgave the rapist. And it wasn't a matter of being brave. It's a matter of self-sanity and self-preservation to be to to forgive. So it's it's an extra it's an extra effort over and above the acronym of brave mm -hmm. is to forgive. So just briefly, I had left South Africa. I was living in the Middle East. I, it was 14 years after being raped. And I was coming home for a holiday, my first holiday. And without ever having thought about it or contacted anybody before, I decided to contact the authorities and find out what had happened to the rapist. He had been given a 25-year prison sentence. And they told me that he was coming up for parole the day after I arrived in the country. And the law had just changed allowing victims, as they call them, of serious crimes to attend a parole hearing. So it was too much of a coincidence. I just had to go. And so against the advice of family and friends, I went to the parole hearing. And I'd, somebody had said to me, I must forgive. And I said, how can you forgive such a horrendous thing? And then I did research and I got to understand a bit about what forgiveness is. And I prepared a speech. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure if I would read the speech or not. But when it came to, to talking to the prisoner, I uh, read the speech, realized that he didn't understand it. I probably didn't understand it. And I just looked at him and I just forgave him. And it it's, has to be the most liberating thing I've ever done in my life. It truly, truly set me free from the incidents, from the trauma, from the experience. I no longer get triggered. You know, you get triggered when you if somebody tells you their story or, you know, he attacked me from behind. So if somebody comes up behind me, I used to jump. Now it doesn't it doesn't affect me anymore because I've truly let it go. And that's what forgiveness is. It's not condoning what the person has done. It's breaking your bond, the bond that is tying you to that person or that incident. It's breaking that bond and setting you free. So I flew out of that prison free. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I, I recall we had, in a conversation previous that you had mentioned when you were facing 
this person who had, you know, altered your life by, you know, there was physical attack and rape and left for dead. 14 years later, I don't think that was a coincidence either that you found out about it a day after, you know, as or as you were coming back to, to the country. But I recall you saying that you, when you spoke to him, you looked at him and you stated in, in some words, and I, I, I'm just paraphrasing, that you're giving that whole experience back to him because it was a weight that you were no longer going to or willing to carry. He perpetrated it. He broke the law. He was a horrendous person for doing it, and you were giving it back to him. You were no longer going to carry it. That, how, and I obviously I just paraphrased, but when you had stated it that way in a previous talk that you and I had, that's some pretty powerful stuff right there. At what point in your, in that step to forgiveness, did that happen just then at that moment? Or was that something you thought about prior to even going into that parole hearing? I had, I had prepared it because um, I'd done the research and I'd prepared a lot of it. But it was a little bit long-winded, and it went into stuff that was totally. Um, it was just too much. It was it was a little bit too academic, I suppose. So basically, I just looked him in the eyes at the end, and I just I just said, I hand back the responsibility to you. I don't condone what you did. You did. I hand the responsibility back. And I compassionately forgive you from my higher self to your higher self, and I take back my my power. A lot of people, a lot of people may not be able to do that, and I think that one of the things that people from with you know that have experienced trauma, such as yours and many many others, that they carry it, they carry it, it with them for many many years. And even if they let go of some, they may not have let go of all of it. Uh, you know, well, I carried it for 14 years. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so it's where you are on your journey of healing. It really depends because, you know, when you first uh, experience whatever the trauma is, you are a victim and you've got all the negative emotions of hate and anger and blame and guilt and all the negative emotions and while you're in that state you can't forgive it's not possible you've got to deal with that first and it's only when you progress through uh, survivor to thriver and when you're at the thriver phase that is when you can consider forgiveness so i never say to people you must forgive I say, let's work through the process. Let's get you out of victim mode. Let's get you through the struggle mode. Let's get you to thrive. And then when you're in thrive, well, we can maybe start talking about forgiveness. You can't force somebody to forgive when they're not ready. I like that, when they're not ready. And I, I like that you let, that you, you know, when you're working with the folks that you work with, they go at their own pace. You know, you say yeah. how you stated, let's, Let's go from survivor to struggling to thriver. You know, just take it at your pace and go through these steps. And when you are ready, we will tackle this other stuff. I like how that is such a gentle offer, the way that you stated that. So I'm sure that the clients that you work with appreciate that as well. Now, everybody's journey is different. And some people go quick. Some people take years. Um, I hope to get them through this <laughs> through the first two stages quicker rather than yeah. 14 years <laughs> um 
because it's such a waste of your life if you're living with that um, and, and you know so many people turn to medications or drugs or alcohol or whatever else um, and why why live like that when you can actually move on <laughs> so, and then and then also using your experience such as yourself using it as a light for others absolutely yeah absolutely you know when when you when you get to thriver mode you get what they call post-traumatic growth it's like a growth mindset and it's at that point where you start saying okay what how have i grown how's this served me because it does serve you in some way how have i benefited from this and then you may get a benefit mindset where you start giving back and you say okay how can i help other people using my experience uh, to help other people get through it. So not everybody gets to benefit mindset. Uh, not everybody wants to. It's, it's, it's certainly not essential to do it. But many, many people who've gone through some serious trauma do. And you, you see them all these motivational speakers and coaches and counselors. Many of them do it because they've been through the process themselves. You know what I see a lot of, I, I'm a veteran and I work with and volunteer with and have for over 21 years now, um, helping veterans and their families that are in some sort of need. And a lot of the veterans, a huge portion of them that I know who have been, and they're, they're typically combat veterans, so they've seen and done more than most can fathom or would even want to think about or imagine these men and women are out there you know doing doing their jobs and 24 7 stress and constant alertness and those men and women that I've met that have been through hell and back for months and months at a time those are the most giving and open-hearted people I've ever met and I've often found that, that those who have been through the most difficult are the most giving. Have you found that in your line of work? Yeah, I've, I've met so many healers uh, through their own experiences. And it's, it's amazing that people just, because you just don't want people to go through what you went through. And you want to make sure that they don't take as long as you did to recover. You know, it, it's... No, there's, there's so many people. I, you know, I always say you're not alone. You know, the, you'll find somebody, whether it's a formal therapist, an a alternative healer, a coach, a family member, there is somebody out there who will just listen, who will talk, who will give you their opinion if you want it. And you just got to find the right person to talk to. Yes, that's so important to find that right person to help you on that on that healing journey because it is a journey. It can be rough for some. And also, the, you know, there's so many healing modalities. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And they're not all going to work for you. And so right. you got to just go and look, keep looking until you find what works for you. You know, mine, mine, mine actually was a, two years after I was raped, I had a, a back problem and I couldn't walk. I had sciatica, I couldn't walk, went for scans and x-rays and what have you and I was told I needed a back operation so I had a back operation it failed two weeks later I had a second back operation it failed 
the doctor said to me, I, at the time I was a keen hiker and scuba diver, and the doctor told me I would never do those things again because I could never carry anything on my back. And I went home, had a, a nurse looking after me, a home nurse caring for me. Six months I was bedridden. I just couldn't get better. I tried a couple of alternative therapies, nothing helped. And then one day my sister said to me that it was all in my head, it was psychosomatic. Um, and her theory was that I was not dealing with the rape properly and I was putting it behind me and putting it behind me and putting it behind me until eventually my back couldn't carry it anymore and my back collapsed. And when I sat, then I sat down and thought about it, what had happened when I was raped, I became an activist and I went out to change the world. <laughs> I didn't have brave then, um, but I had the idea of stopping uh, the this, this scourge. Mm -hmm. And I was so brave and strong and everybody keeps saying, oh, we're so proud of you, you're so brave, you're so strong, you're so brave, you're so strong. Oh, look at me, I'm so brave and I'm so strong. And so what happened was two years later, suddenly, it was, you can't be brave and strong anymore. You've got to be weak and pathetic. You've got to lie back and deal with this whole situation. And so lying in bed, having everybody do everything for me, I was totally dependent on everybody. It was wonderful to be so weak. I could be weak and pathetic and, oh, woe is me, instead of being this strong, brave person. Uh, a doctor friend of mine from who was outside the country, he came and he looked at my x-rays and he said he would never have operated. He saw nothing in my x-rays that said I sh they should operate. So I did eight chiropractic treatments and I did a five-day hike with a 29-kilogram backpack on my back. Well, that, you know, well, that begs the question, why... What it what was it that they were that telling that you needed to have two surgeries and then another doctor said you never had to have even one at all. Uh, people read different things into the X-rays. Better wow. doctors, worse doctors, you know, make some money out of you, you know. Let's do an operation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, what a, you know, it's an awful thought, but oh my goodness, and to find uh, out that you didn't need them at all, that's uh, a lot. I mean, you know, surgery on your back is no minor thing. Absolutely. Yeah, so it was it was quite a quite an experience, but it was part of my it was part of my healing journey because mm -hmm. I wasn't dealing with those emotions in the first place. And so when, when I work with people, the first thing we do is we say, let's look at those emotions. We have to deal with those emotions as soon as possible. Don't wait two mm -hmm. years like I did to deal with them. I like yeah. how you said, how you mentioned your sister said that you just keep putting stuff behind you and behind you and behind you and your back can no longer carry it. That's an interesting visual picture, how you were putting the own weight on your own self yeah. and hauling that around until it, until it brought you down. Yeah. The body-mind connection is so powerful and people have got to realize, you know, when you break your leg, it's... Think about where you don't want to go. What steps are you not wanting to take? Um, you know, you, people say, don't be stupid. I didn't want to break my leg. Of course, you didn't want to break your leg, but maybe you didn't want to go somewhere. 
So you need to look at you need to look at it very literally and say, I've I've got a sore throat. What is it that I don't want to say? What is it that I'm I'm not telling people? Yeah. Think of it as sure you get a cold and you get a sore throat. <laughs> but um one needs to really think about what is happening, the mind-body connection. That's interesting. It's an interesting perspective how you said that. So I get a sore throat. What is it that I'm not wanting to say that's interesting thanks for sharing that i'm gonna that's that's probably something i'm gonna chew on for a while <laughs> yeah, and, there's, and there's a lot of literature on it it's, it's really it's powerful very powerful stuff that's yeah it sounds fascinating to yeah i would love to dig in dig a little more into that just because uh it's got my brain whirling now <laughs> so thank you <laughs> so Let's swing back around to brave, shall we? Yeah. So I was saying that I was brave in my in my dealing with the rape, mm -hmm. but it, this is a different kind of brave. <laughs> um, so so the the B is boundaries, and then the R is respect. That when you've identified those boundaries, that you respect them, and you respect what the other person wants and communicate it because you know your definition of respect may be a little bit different to my definition of respect so we need to make sure what how do you show me respect you know one can go off oh i could talk for hours on this uh, because you know the, the husband brings the wife flowers to show that he loves her and she says, but you never tell me you love me. And he says, but I bring you flowers every week. She says, but I want to hear the words love. So it's it's your modality, your communication modality. And, and, and so we need to understand and communicate correctly with our partners so that, that we understand what is respect to you. And that can be just communicating with anyone. Absolutely. Yeah, any yeah. any person in your in your life that you come across, that's that's powerful stuff right there. I always use the, the silly little story that a, a man opens a car door for a woman and she says, Oh, why do you do that? I can open myself because she's a strong, independent woman. So the next time he's with another woman and he doesn't open the door, she turns around and says, Aren't you a gentleman? Why don't you open my door? And so, you know, it <laughs> It's just communication. And I, I do feel sorry for the men because they don't know where they stand anymore because, you know, the feminist movement is, on one hand, can be very negative and on the other hand, it can be very powerful. And so the men don't know which way to go anymore. <laughs> so if you communicate and you say, well, what is it that you want? Do you want me to open the door or not? Hey, I, I agree. I agree. Communication. <laughs> communication is so key. Yeah. Honest communication is key. <laughs> so so th that brings us on to A, and I've always had A as agreement, consent, but I've also decided to add authenticity to it because, as you said, it's that honest communication. So mm -hmm. we have to be ourselves, we have to be authentic, um, and we have to share that. We have to share that. So that's an obvious one, agreement, consent, make sure you get consent. Difficult when you're in the heat of the sexual moment. <laughs> oh, darling, do you still want this? <laughs> mm, right. Break the mood. <laughs> so you got to, again, if you, if you have that communication and you identify the boundaries right up front, we can avoid that situation. And then we come to V, and that is values. 
um, know your values. You know, we have those values that are indoctrinated from childhood, thou shalt not kill kind of values. Um, but then we develop our own values as we grow up. So we don't know what other people's values are. We don't, often don't know what our own values are. So we need back to the self-awareness. We need to understand our values and then communicate our values with our partner and find out what their values are. So values is very important and communicating them vulnerably. And then we come to E, which I've got three E's, which is equality, empathy, and empowerment. And we need to empower. It's so important that we empower everybody to make a difference. So it's whole, the whole bystander concept. You, know, you, you see somebody harassing somebody. Do you stand and watch or do you go in and do you stop it? Do you, are you empowered enough to go and say that's not good behavior? Don't do that. Um, and we need to learn how we can intervene if it's safe in some kind of thing that we're witnessing. And if it's not safe, what else can we do? With this acronym BRAVE, I know that you had mentioned in a, in a different conversation that this is something that you're going to be sharing like in bite-sized pieces, 10-minute 10, 10 pieces. With Is this a, a new program or a series that you're going to be, how are you going to be sharing that? Well, I'm wanting to create a movement. <laughs> and uh, part of that is I'm doing Monday to Friday a daily interview uh, with with anybody and it, you know it can be a survivor it can be somebody who's just witnessed something it can be a parent who just wants to make a difference you don't have to have experienced some kind of trauma and I just want people to come in and share what they think we can do so I've asked people to come through with one of the letters and explain what they think we can do to make that letter a reality but what the reality is, is that people are coming onto the show and they are just talking <laughs> and talking. And so it's, it's, it's very valuable and I don't stop them. I do want to get back to the letters and talk about how we can develop those, those characteristics. But I'm very happy that people want to talk and they want to say, this is what I think we should do. And uh, so that's the first phase. The first phase is to just get the awareness out there, get people talking about it. And then I've got a program that I want to take into schools. Well, I've started taking it into schools to teach the teenagers how to be brave. And uh, ultimately, I want the world to be brave. Now, taking it into schools and teaching, and you said that you wanted to make this, you, you see it as a movement, and you're beginning it. It's You don't want to make it. It is a movement, and, you, and you've begun it. So you're going into schools, teaching them about boundaries, respect, vulnerability, or I mean, uh, authenticity, values and vulnerability, and empathy and empowerment. Teaching them that, is that, are you trying to, your goal, your mission is to give them a foundation, no matter what their background or their environment is like, to respect that of themselves, also of others? Is that the type of movement that you want so we can change the mindset, like you had said at the beginning of the show, of how genders are looked at and or treated? Absolutely. I want people, you know, I did, just by way of example, I did one workshop 
um, it was uh, virtual and it was all girls plus one boy. <laughs> and uh, we went through it. It wasn't a very long, it wasn't my full program. So we went through it rather rapidly. But we were saying, what can you do? What can you, Joe, do to make a difference? And he was, this, this boy he must have been 15 he was 16, I don't know, he was so excited. He said, oh, my friends always send these horrible texts to the girls and I'm gonna stop them. And he was so excited that he was gonna now stop them. Unfortunately, I, I haven't had contact with him since, but I know what happened. He went back to school, he said to his mates, don't do that. And his mates turned around and said, oh, stop being a sissy. And so he didn't do it again. And uh, the thing is, you can't do it individually. It has to be the community. We have to work together. And, and one person is not going to do it because he won't have the courage to continue because of peer pressure. At, at that age, that's more than likely, yes. I, I, would, I would have to agree. At that age, it's a, it's a weird age to be at, a, a teenager, knowing that you, you have this value and ethics and morals going on and those around you don't seem to have them nor do they want them that's a tough spot to be in it for an individual like that but if his heart is in the right place i hope that it doesn't harden and he can still have that mindset he might not be able to change that particular group of boys but he might be able to change one other person's mind there's you been know? so much yeah, there's been so much research done where they put um, dummies, you know, um, people into a situation, mm -hmm. and then they create they create a scenario, and then they and they've done it in 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 in, in situations of just an alarm going off. They've done it in situations where somebody's hurt or somebody's attacked, and the results are always the same because the majority of the people there are the plants, the dummies, mm -hmm. and they don't react. The real person doesn't react either. You know, the person who's the real witness, he think he looks around, she looks around and says, Look, everybody's just sitting around doing nothing. Well, I'm not gonna do anything. And yeah. so nothing gets done. And there's a lot of research on that. And that's what we've got to break. We've got to make people brave enough that they will say, I don't care if you're not gonna help, I'm gonna do something about it. After uh, a number of years ago, in the morning uh, on the pavements, uh, on the sidewalks, as you call them, somebody had painted with big red paint and put red roses down. Somebody had painted saying, I witnessed your attack last night and I'm sorry, I didn't help. And it was such a, I get goosebumps even now when I think about it. So somebody witnessed something terrible happening didn't have the courage to do something about it. it, felt so bad that they left that message for that person the next day. It was all front page of the newspapers. So, uh, you know, we, we don't do anything because we're just too afraid to. And, you know, we, we've got cell phones, there's police, there's these things we can do, you know, if we're afraid for ourselves uh, to get involved, you can do something about it in another way. And that's something that's something that person's going to carry with them for a long time. 
Yeah. And you know, you witness trauma, it has the same impact on your body as if it actually happened to you. So you need to deal with that. You know, that right. person is, is also having uh, emotional attacks and triggers and what have you. They also need to deal with it. So, And I, I agree that that, that, uh, that needs to change and people do need to become braver. And it just, and a lot of it's environment, how you grew up. I mean, I know how I grew up. If there was a domestic issue between a husband and wife, the neighbors would not get involved, no matter what was happening. Mm. And I was in a personal situation where I ran to the neighbors begging for help. As a young person, begging. And I was told by the man we can't get involved. That's a family issue. So when you're at that vulnerable age, all of a sudden, at least for me, something clicked in my head. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to. They tell us to go to adults for help. But when we do, they don't. So I ran to the garage, grabbed a lead pipe, and ran back in my house to try to defend my mom the best I could. That's something that sticks with you for a very, very long time when you reached out for help and you were denied it. So I love this brave movement that you're talking about because that has to start in the home too. Parents have got to teach their children those values. Those, they've just got to do it. And, you know, unfortunately, my generation, we were brought up the very strict disciplinarian way you know, the father was the boss and you didn't argue, children were seen and not heard. And unfortunately, a lot of that then gets carried down from generation to generation. And nobody ever spoke to me about anything. You know, you just have to figure it out for yourselves. Whereas a lot of the modern parents today are really communicating with their children and, and teaching them these, these good values and helping them understand what it takes to be a good person. Uh, so uh, we we definitely hope to see an improvement in the next generation. But let's let's actively make those changes. Right, right. And one one person's story can change another's. You know, and sharing sharing what it is that they think about the letters of brave. Like with this movement that you're talking about, you you know, you choose a letter, and you you know, share tips on what it is that those believe or what's helped you or what you feel those letters stand for for you. I think it's one person at a time. You might not be able to change the world, but you can change one person's world. And if that person does the same thing, that's just a chain reaction, tossing a pebble in water right there. And we've just got to be careful, you know, uh, the Me Too movement and everything, in some ways, it's gone too far because people don't know, you know, from what has happened, you know, I just, I get very confused sometimes, you know, I want to be hugged and, you know, I'm a tactile person or I've coded is stopping that at the moment, but, you know, it's, you know, if, if somebody comes and puts their hand on my shoulder, oh, that's a lovely gesture. Um, but men are too scared to do that now because they, they're afraid that they're going to be accused of some kind of assault. 
so it, again, it's what is that boundary? I don't mind you touching my shoulder. You know, after I was raped, it was it was incredible. I had some some very great people helping me. The doctor wouldn't touch me until he asked me if it was okay to touch me. Yeah, um, the the uh, the security company asked me if I, I would be happy with a man or a woman to come and and deal with my case. And those kind of things are so important. Instead of just putting a man in there, hey, are you okay with a man? You know, are you okay if I touch you? Are you okay? Um, and so it's just communicate those boundaries. So unfortunately, we we have to we have to now because. You know, men are too scared to even touch you. And, you know. Yeah, I, I agree. I think certain things have gone a little too far, but I also think there seems to be that sheeple mentality. You see it, you see something happening and it's blasted all over the media. So it's in your face day after day after day. And if you're one of those people that typically follows instead of leads, that's how those movements seem to grow exponentially and just kind of get out of control. At least that's how I look at it. Um, I've, I've never been a sheeple, nor do I ever plan to just blindly follow anyone um, without doing my due diligence and my own research and things like that. But I think that that might be part of, well, I know it is. I know that that's part of how things, certain things can grow so big. And this the world is so open right now you know, you can have something in your face from around the world. I mean, you and I, you know, you're in South Africa and I'm in the United States. Every second of every day on your phone, on your iPad, on your television, on your laptop, it's all kinds of information coming at you. And the worse, the more enthralling is for a lot of people. That saddens me when I see that more and more and more. So I honestly, I, I quit watching TV. I don't listen to the radio. I, I, I read, <laughs> I read books and listen to music because the, there's so much that's just put in front of your face, whether it's good for you or not. And some people, a lot, a lot of people like that or get so pulled into it. You know, they, they stick with it. And then their mindset changes and then they start thinking, oh, yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, I'm following what that group says. It's an interesting thing. Do you, do you find with your clients that that might be the case, that they've blindly followed something or someone to their detriment? No, I don't think to their detriment. They blindly follow and maybe they're following the wrong person and the wrong, the wrong road. But as long as the road is not taking them downhill and it's taking them uphill, it's okay. It might take them longer to get to their destination uh, than it would if they, they spent a bit more time deciding on the right vehicle to carry them. Uh, so no, not to their detriment. Uh, well, if you can say it took longer, then <laughs> that's your detriment. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe detriment was the wrong word. Yeah, just ex just extended their journey, I guess. Yeah. I think a lot of these larger movements that are in place that have made society look at each other so different now, I, I, I believe they all started out with that small nugget of, of truth and goodness. And it, you know, and it just exploded maybe in a different direction than anticipated due to many, many factors. 
you know, like you had mentioned the Me Too movement. Now men are afraid to do anything or say anything. That's not how it should be. No, you've got to get balance. You've got to get balance. It's, it's important that we focus on it, that we make people aware of it. But, you know, be reasonable. There's, <laughs> and, there, there's a thought. <laughs> and also, you can't paint all men with the same brush. Suddenly, all men are bad, you know? Right. Not all men exactly. are bad. A very small percentage of them are bad. <laughs> right. It's the same with women. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, with humans, humans, period. We don't even have to distinguish man or woman. Human. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, hey, as we wrap this up today, this has been, I love this. Um, as we wrap this up, share with the listeners how they may be able to get involved in your brave movement. Well, if they go to my website, there's a link to Brave on the front page of the website. So that'll be the easiest way to go. My website, you can't forget it. It's called walkingwithoutskin.com. And that's my Facebook and my book as well. It's called Walking Without Skin. So if you Google that, you'll easily find me and you can find Brave and do join us. And I need more men to join us. Ah, okay. Wonderful, wonderful. And your website and links I will be sharing within the show notes folks so those of you are listening you'll be able to um, see those as well so you can just click right on them and check out uh, her new movement brave as well as your book on your website as well yep all right wonderful so you can check out her book and get yourself a copy of that and learn a little bit more about her story thank you so much Lois for being with me on let fear bounce today I, I enjoyed myself and as always you are a wealth of wisdom and I love talking to you because you you always give me something to think about and chew on after our conversations. So I appreciate that. I appreciate you and your time. And thanks again for being on Let Fear Bounce. Thank you. And fly free from fear. Wonderful. Love it. All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks for the show.